Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The passion for the world's beautiful game has never been stronger. And now there is one place to get all your insight, analysis, and hot topic discussion. Especially if you're a fan of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy, or their heated rival, LAFC. It's time to roll out the ball and kick things off here on the Believe Podcast Network. Now, here are your hosts, former MLS goalkeeper Dan Kennedy and soccer broadcast veteran Mark Rogandino. And just like that, it's episode four on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Alongside longtime MLS goalie Dan Kennedy, Mark Rogandino back here with you. We got lots to talk about, right, DK? LAFC, the LA Galaxy. We got some international call-ups for the uh, international window here. And of course, uh, week three in the books, and we'll look ahead to week four. I've got I've got some great wagering to talk later on in the show. And early another days, one of your another days. one of your former teammates is coming by. Who do we got this week? Dude, the, the one and only Bobby Burling. Bobby B. The, the man who loved to lay the lumber. Uh, one of the best to come out of LMU ever, if you ask me, Loyola Marymount <laughs> University. <laughs> yeah, that, with that without question. Him and, a, him and another lad named Willow. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Willow, you are great. <laughs> uh, good week in week three. A lot of matches to look at. Um, you know, and I, I can't believe some of these surprises. For me, things like the fact that DC United is just crushing people left yeah. and right. The most yeah, recent. You, you remember their form last year at the end of the season was they were one of the best teams in the league. And I, I actually thought when they were going to get into the playoffs that they were going to make more noise. True. Doesn't help. They have an amazing stadium there at Audi Field. Right. Um, and Real Salt Lake found out the hard way how good DC United is looking early on in the season. And then a couple of other big ones, and we'll definitely talk about it when we get to some of our picks later. The fact that FC Cincinnati just put it on Portland. Uh, <laughs> in the, I mean, hey, and you even said there could be some pressure going into having a was it like thirty two thousand sold out there right. inside the inside the right. Bailey, and right. and they used every one of them and all that support to thump the Timbers. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a uh, it was a pretty special performance, and um, what I need to do is is give a shout out to Richie and Goal because. This guy, Spencer Ritchie, who I believe was on MLS Team of the Week, uh, absolutely stood on his head. Portland could have gone up early, um, and the game obviously would have would have been much more difficult for them um, had they given up a, a first goal. But uh, it, this goalkeeper um, stood literally on his head, and, and it's just kind of funny to see this play out because he was their USL goalkeeper in which you bring in an international goalkeeper thinking he's going to be your number one. And after week one, uh, he was a little shaky. The team was a little shaky. This kid gets another another chance in goal, and uh, he's running with it. And, and, DK, I think it's important to note it's good for Major League Soccer when you have an expansion franchise that comes in and finds a way early to get some results because the last thing you really want is in, in a league that really prides itself on having some parity where any given team can beat, say, a title contender on any given weekend. The last thing you want is to have a team like FC Cincinnati come in and all of a sudden they just become everyone's doormat. Yeah. Well, and it's you want to you want to maintain the momentum that the franchise has in day one. And Atlanta United, LAFC have, have done that seamlessly and the likes of Minnesota have not. And and my concern is that uh, since he is closer to Minnesota than LAFC. Agreed. You know, or Atlanta United, 
and and it's going to tell itself over the course of the season. Um, but yeah, they, they they've they got a scrappy tie against Atlanta now, and then this this result at home is going to give them some belief. And that's man, that's what you need more than anything is a little bit of belief that you uh, as a team have what it takes to get the job done. Speaking of Atlanta United, Dan, I can't, I can't, I just can't we believe it. it. I, I seriously can't believe it right now. I mean, because you know what? If you look before the game and you look at like the starting eleven that they're putting out for Debuer right now, right. I mean, th- there's quality all. Over. Yeah, I, I know that they've they've brought in some new faces and they've let some other guys who've gone you know off to bigger pastures, but they still got talent all over the field. Right. Al, Al Marone is, is going to be a void that they can't fill. But to your point, it, it shouldn't be such a big void that they can't win games, uh, especially at when at they home. They can't win games right, at home. Right. But listen, I've never seen a, a Dutch coach do well in this league. That's Aaron true. Vinter, Aaron Vinter up at Toronto, Rudy absolute Hullet, disaster. Yeah, absolute disaster as well. And the total football thing just doesn't quite work in this league. It's not there yet. And um, and it may never be. It's it's just a very physical league. And and if you are willing to to um, just continually play out of the back and play out of the back and enforce it down people's throats, then you're going to get nicked and it's going to it's going to hurt you. You have to be really sound and, and to to go and and take this Atlanta team off of a off of a championship season and to reengineer their their style of play. Um, guys like Joseph Martinez are not going to be as effective. Yeah, he's going to have a tough time if they're going to be playing a lot of 1-1 games as they've done each of the past two weeks, Atlanta United. Uh, Martinez is going to have a tough time defending that golden boot crown from a season ago where he actually exploded uh, and set the record for how many uh, one player can score in a single season. Uh, Let's move on and zero in on the two teams uh, that we focus really on here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. And, of course, I'm talking about the L.A. Galaxy and LAFC. Let's start with uh, the first game of those two teams on the weekend, and that was the LA Galaxy back home to play host to a Minnesota United team that comes in unbeaten. Yes, it's only early two weeks into the season, but um, a good bounce back win for LAFC, but still marred by some struggles at the defensive end. For Yeah, bounce back win for the Galaxy. Sorry, for the, for the Galaxy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and all that matters in, in the early part of the season for me is winning because then you can try, you can build a little bit of culture around a new coach and a little bit of belief and validation of uh, what that coach is selling to the players. Um, this, this game was uh, more uh, what I would expect from a Sebastian Legette, Jonah Dos Santos and Joe Corona in midfield dictate the game with possession. I mean, these three guys are very good soccer players, and they're and they they're very similar to one another, and they should be on the same page, and they should control the game, uh, particularly at home uh, through possession. We didn't see that the week before uh, at FC Dallas, um, and against a, a Minnesota team that is far superior than it's ever been before, um, it was a good it was a good outing, um, aside from a couple key mistakes. You know, I look at you know, focusing in on the midfield for the Galaxy, and I look at the, some of those names that you mentioned. And I think you include um, Uriel Antuna and Imo Boateng in the Amponius in that conversation, for that matter. Those guys, for me, so so Skeloto starts basically in a four-three-three formation, but those six players: Leggett, Dos Santos, Corona, Pontius, Antuna, and Boateng. 
they're, they're all guys that you would slot into a midfield role, whether it be a wide attacking position or maybe like Dos Santos and Corona a little more central to dictate possession. But it, still, in that formation, for me, obviously it's a glaring miss that they don't have Zlatan or some sort of a true number nine in there. Right, right. Yeah, without without a without a doubt, and and Pontius can can do an okay job filling that void for a short period of time. Uh, the nice thing for the Galaxy is um, Chris got a goal and an and, he, and an assist, and um, without Ibrahimovic in the fold, but it's no long term solution. So you better hope Ibrahimovic uh, isn't isn't out too long with this with this Achilles issue. Um, and it, you know, I, we we talked about this a couple weeks ago with. Ola Kamara leaving and freeing up the money that it's freed up for this team to now go and spend on guys like Joe Corona. And I, I bet you there's more coming. Um, but they, uh, they, they I mean, Ibra is going to be one of the best players in this league again this year, depending on how many games he plays. And and even if you had a true replacement, uh, this, you're just always going to kind of be over. Um, uh, you're going to be always really focused on him being in your lineup just because right. he's one of the he's one of the best players in the league and you can't get you can't get around that so for the the key to all of that is that this galaxy team without him uh found a way to win at home and uh now they just gotta they they, they if they can avoid these costly mistakes in the back they're gonna be just fine you know i i look at uh, some of the bright performances in the 3-2 win against minnesota united in particular and i thought boatang getting in there in a starting role was was really good especially if you saw the pass he made for the yeah. first goal uh-huh. um on on the or second goal on the night i'm sorry that when the ball then came back in for yep. Pontius to finish to make it two nothing and then i also thought antuna i thought the work that he did on the right side he was the guy that was taken down they gave the pk for dos santos for the first goal but several times he got free down the right side and drove in good service for guys to try and get on the end of yeah and tuna is a, he's not a big guy but i've, I've described him as squirrely you know he's just kind of squirrely he, he, he's just squirrely he just he just gets gets around guys can turn the corner uh and he he's a handful man he's going to be a good player so it, really positive sign um from a young player only you know three games into his mls career uh but he's he's definitely he's definitely turning some heads people are noticing what he's doing is there room for for once Lotton comes back? Is there going to be room though for Boateng to have a role in the starting eleven, or is he going to be for, forced back to the bench? Because I think I think when he, you know, obviously we know going forward, that guy he's great going forward, and it, especially in a north south direction. Um, but I think his soccer IQ and his ability to combine with other guys is coming along better than it has. Well, in and, and that's what that's what he needs, right? He needs minutes and games for that IQ and and form to gel. Uh, for me, he, he's he's a mismatch player. So sure, if if sure. I'm if I'm a coach, I kind of look at what are what the what the game at the weekend is going to give us in terms of opponent, what the conditions are going to be like. Is it you know is it is it going to be it, it, hot hot game uh, in in Chicago in the middle of the summer or, or in Houston in the middle of the summer, um, or are we talking about New England in in the in the fall or, or late spring? Um, so I look at all of these things uh, for a guy like Ima because of how explosive he is. There's going to be certain environments that um, and, and certain opponents that cater to to his game, and that's when he's a starter. And then for me, it's 70th minute. If you need a spark, he's a great guy to bring on. 
Yeah, there's no question. And so you're saying like on a hot day in Chicago in the middle of the summer, there's going to be guys that are playing in the midfield or outside I would back say role that I don't would, want that don't want to keep running with him all yeah, day. Yeah, right. And you can look at it two ways, though, Mark. In, in that scenario, Chicago's not subbing outside backs in that game because they're going to have to sub midfielders or right. call, it, call it Houston. Well, what do you want? You, you want a player that you can bring on in the, late in the second half that has a little bit of a spark that can run someone with heavy legs. And that's what Ema should do. So, so maybe in these, in, in these instances where the instances where the game's going to be really physically demanding, let Ema come on as a spark and then he can really exploit some space. Um, before we move on and talk about LAFC's draw out in the Big Apple against NYCFC, I got I got to mention, it, and it's only because hey, you spent 10 years playing in this league in goal, uh, you, you know, and you played for the LA Galaxy. David Bingham, he's a guy who, in past years, especially in San Jose, I've seen him stand on his head, like you're talking about Spencer Ritchie, what he did for for FC Cincinnati. I've seen him have huge games, but I haven't seen it for a couple of years, and he, I, for me. That's a gaff on the goal, the first goal that Minnesota United yeah. gets. Yeah, it was a, it's a gaff for me too. And we saw it the week before with with uh, Brad Guzan in Atlanta had had a ball that that it's a tricky range that 25 to 30 yards now with the way these balls move. Um, and it's not that's not an excuse. That's a reality for goalkeepers. But that being said, you're you're expected to save balls that are within your window. You know, anything that is within your reach, you you need to save it at this level. And Bingham's going to hang his head for that one and. What it does is it shifts momentum in the game, but it also uh, makes your defense a little bit nervous going forward. Well, and so, so, so David was this, you know, he was one of these young prodigy goalkeepers, and he found good form when San Jose had their heyday after John right. Bush. And then when things got hard in San Jose, um, he was rotated a little bit. And then he was out of contract and Galaxy swooped him up. And um, he, he's he's just got a little bit of ways to go to becoming consistent again. I, I, I've seen him make big saves. He had a great start in week one, um, but he just hasn't been consistent, to your point, in the last two seasons. And that's been a hallmark for the Galaxy over over past years, going back a few years, like when they were winning MLS Cups is having steady play in goal, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, feel, I feel like that hasn't been a steady part of their lineup for coming up on, you know, maybe four or five years yeah. now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, when I was with the team, I had I had come in to replace a, an aging Donovan Ricketts. Right. Um, and then uh, before then, you had uh, Josh Saunders, who had a good stint with the Galaxy, won a championship. Um, and Brian Rowe got the, got the majority of minutes in front of a, or behind a very, a very solid team in that 2016 squad. I was out most of the year with injury. Um, and otherwise we might not even be here. DK, you know what I'm saying? You'll be on the pitch making some money right now, you know? You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, no, but with that said, um, then, you know, everything changes after Bruce leaves and it puts a big spotlight on Brian Rowe. Now Brian's down in Orlando after a pit stop in Vancouver. And so it's hard to find long-term consistent goalkeeping in, in any team in this league. I, I think that's been proven. Um, but the contract that David Bingham is on is, is a, is a massive commitment from the club. So they need to see, they need to see it through to, in order to, you know, capture some of that value. 
By the way, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. Matt Lampson, the guy who is his backup, has had plenty of run in Major League Soccer, including a really successful uh, stint a couple of years ago with Chicago, where you know he was he was their number one and started 20 plus games. You just wonder how long Guillermo Berroscaloto goes and says if the results kind of keep going, even win or lose. But if you're giving up two goals a game and you're not winning game, you're not putting up shutouts. Uh, you know, at some point, and I know you'll point to Steris, Polenta, the guys that are in front of that, that they're still not quite a cohesive unit just yet, but you wonder how long until maybe Lampson gets a look. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think part of that will depend on how Lampson's performing in training and in reserve matches, right? But then also, it, if mistakes happen. So what you need to do is bounce back with, with character and then and then prove that it was just that. It's a mistake. And in terms of the the goal that the first goal that Bingham let up and then uh, make everyone feel like that's never going to happen again. And and one objective I always try to like hone in on as a goalkeeper was, OK, never let the same goal get scored on you twice. Um, and, and 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 that just, you know, try to try to try to switch your focus a little bit on not being so down on the goal you give up. But just make sure you you not you don't give up that kind of goal again. Uh, flipping over to LAFC and a trip to Yankee Stadium, their first ever time playing out there in that little Cracker Jack box of Yankee Stadium. Um, <laughs> better, hey, game, a, better game than I anticipated, man. NYFC, and it, NY, NYCFC were, were decent. I, I, I didn't give them enough credit. And it's it's a good sign if you're you know a, a, a fan of LAFC and a follower of that club that – you know, they come back two times from down a goal on the road all the way across the country and take a point on the road. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I think early on in the in the season to take a cross country trip is actually uh, suitable. The opposing team isn't necessarily in any meaningful form um, yet as they're just getting their legs under them. I think this this uh, NYCFC team, uh, they're not the same since since Patrick Vieira left. Um, and they, and David Villa and David Villa, uh, but they have some they have some real talented players, and you, you saw that with the goals that were, were scored against LAFC. Yeah, Alexander Matriza, he's the the 24 uh, year old Romanian international and, and a newcomer uh, to Major League Soccer. He's the guy who had the the first goal of the game for uh, for NYCFC, and yeah, he's got some pace, man. The guy the guy can run at defenders with the ball at his feet. Uh, I thought he was really good in open space. Um, and then, of course, hey, we've talked about it a few times here on the pod, DK. Carlos Vela, you know, you it give is, him you sick. give you give him opportunities. The guy doesn't lose the ball. He just I, doesn't right. lose the ball. And he's and, not like again, like back to size. I mean, it's not like he's the biggest guy, but hit on the on the play that led to the led to the penalty kick. Where, where he just kind of puts his left foot on it, bodies the center back off of it, lays the ball off sweetly um, to to an on-running blessing, and then uh, a foul's caused, and it's a penalty kick. I mean, and you 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 would pay big, strong forwards lots of money to hold up the ball like that, and this guy's not not that, but he can do it anyway. The amazing thing about him is is if, if you talk to him and you, and you ask him, it's been noted in, in several articles about Carlos Vela, 
his favorite sport isn't even soccer. His favorite sport is basketball. <laughs> he loves the he loves the Lakers. And had he been, you know, five and inches tall, five, yeah, five five inches taller, he, you know, he, this is a guy who who would have tried to have a professional career as a basketball player, probably a, probably a point guard. But yeah, well, I think he's done all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you mentioned Latif Blessing and the he role dynamic, he dynamic man. He dynamic. I thought in a starting role replacing Lee Wynn, I thought he really made the most. And Bob's going to have a tough decision if if he wants to keep Latif in there or or bring him off the bench in future matches. Well, I mean, that's this is one thing that uh, John Thornton and Bob Bradley have done so well is is worked on the depth of this team. I I, I look down the the bench and the experience that they have and the the competition they have for places within the squad is something that uh, most managers in this league don't have the luxury um, of, of, of having that problem. So um, th- man, th- this team is, is, is going to be built for some success this year. Uh, it, it's interesting to have blessing play that central role um, just with his ability to exploit spaces. And is he's so good dribbling the ball um, on that tight field uh, Lee Wynn is such a great passer of the ball, and um, I'm 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 not sure he would have helped LAFC just because that field's so tight and there's not really space in behind for him to thread these little passes in behind the defense, little chip balls, little through balls. So um, it may have actually even worked out into LAFC's favor to have uh, Blessing play in that central role over over Wynn. DK, it begs the question: How is NYCFC still playing inside Yankee Stadium? I mean, it, it's, it's uh, <laughs> to me, to me, it's yeah, to me, it's up there, buddy. It's just, not, but it's just not. I know, but it's just, yeah. Hey, and you're the guy on this crew that's that has a hand in the real estate market. It's just not a good look in the sense that. It, for a first year, 2015, when they came into the league, or, or 2016 for two years till you find something else, it's right. okay. But right. when you talk about progress for Major League Soccer to still have a team playing on a baseball yeah, field, it's, it's, just, it's just not a good look. No, it's not a good look. And it just – it's the, the, the product on the field when you're watching it on TV or you're there in person, everything uh, just from a spectator's perspective isn't um, – uh, isn't perfect. And then when you go and try to play, uh, you, you feel a little out of sort for, uh, at least a little bit while you're in warmups on the field. Um, it's not ideal. It's a massive issue. In fact, I, I mean, what every single club in this league that has taken the step towards their own stadium has found some series of, of success. And most recently it's DC United. So uh, it, it's, it's a massive shot in the arm to have a home. It, it was Kansas city before that. Um, and, uh, yeah, they need, they need it desperately. I should, I should add though, New York Yankees president, uh, Randy Levine did say uh, earlier this week that there is the possibility of an announcement coming in the coming months about a stadium specific for NYCFC, which would obviously be uh, a huge welcome piece of news, not only for the club, but also for major league soccer. I mean, I couldn't believe it because, Obviously, while I'm working the game on ESPN Radio, I'm also uh, for LAFC. I'm also kind of monitoring social media, and two thirds of the tweets are all about why, why is this a baseball stadium? Why is right. the pitchers? Why is the pitchers mound right there? Right. And it's not. It's not about the soccer. It's not. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, to your point. Massive distraction uh, from from uh, every angle. Even when you're playing, you you feel like the the field is is not symmetrical. Um, it's it's less than ideal. And 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 in the in the Patrick Vieira era, 
uh, NYCFC had a massive advantage because of all of those facts. And I think it's just uh, it's fading away that advantage. So the LA Galaxy get back in the win column with their second win of the season. LAFC remain unbeaten as they make their first road trip of the season out to New York and in 2-2 with NYCFC. Uh, We'll get to our week four coverage in Major League Soccer in just a bit. But now uh, time to bring on a guest here to the Believe Sports Podcast Network as we uh, get a chance to welcome in another one of DK's former teammates, uh, longtime MLS defender Bobby Burling. Big hurt. Well, Bobby, uh, we bring you on here to the uh, Believe Sports Podcast Network, and um, my thinking was I'd probably just step out of the way and let you and DK go at it because, I mean, although you're not here with us physically right now, and I know that you used to have your locker next to Dan Kennedy back at the, the then StubHub Center, so we're about as close as we're going to get is just getting you here on the line. Oh, man, uh, big, big hurt. Nice to have you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. It's all a pleasure here. Uh and I'm all, I'm all I'm all okay being this far apart. I, I've seen uh, I've seen D- DK up close and personal more than enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that the, the, the hair's gotten a little bigger, the arms and the calves are still giant. So, um, just just to give you the physical, yeah. you know, less details less hair, more looking. belly. That's, that's what <laughs> yeah. Like Isn't that the hardest, truth for all of us? <laughs> yeah, the hardest goalkeeper to ever make in MLS history with those calves. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, one day they're going to retire and make a like a you know a cast mold of those calves and put them in the uh, UC, UC Santa Barbara Hall of Fame for sure. I got good, I got good news for you guys. I think they're still growing. <laughs> uh, Bobby, let's let's talk a little soccer here. Uh, obviously, it's early on in the MLS season. Uh, I don't know how many matches you've been able to take in so far, but uh, but some good soccer and and the the level of play in MLS continues to elevate. It seems like each and every year. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's always exciting to see three games in the year. Who's kind of most prepared maybe at this point. Uh, obviously, you got some clubs that were in Champions League early on. So maybe had a, a little bit more of a, a detailed and kind of a hurried preseason with with Sporting Kansas City and New York Red Bull kind of advancing um, and then kind of crashing out. But I think Seattle's looked really sharp early on. Uh, good to see Jordan Morris back for the for the national team as well. Just getting his for confidence sure. and, and scoring some goals early and uh yeah, it's uh, you know it's always exciting that with the parity in our league and kind of seeing what Atlanta was able to do within two years of existence and now kind of maybe hitting a little bit of a rough patch just as far as you know a new manager, a uh, couple new players transferred in and out and I think it's always uh, you know, the early storylines are definitely early but at the same time it's it's definitely something to take a look at early on. Yeah, I'm I'm here, buddy. I'm here, Bob. <laughs> Season kickoffs I've had where I, I just didn't have any skin in the game, not working for the Galaxy anymore, um, aside for some some broadcasting stuff. Not to um, mention just, partnering with me here, yeah, you know, Bobby. I mean, just, that's, just, that's just, just to sit back and enjoy. But it, it, with talking about Atlanta United, I mean, I, I just feel like everybody saw this coming. Bring in a Dutch coach, going to want to play total football, and total football doesn't work in Major League Soccer. Yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously you transfer out one of the, the best players, you know, that's made an immediate impact in a young DP with, with Al Marone going to Newcastle. And it's that obviously is going to be a gaping hole there. But then the, the change the manager and the style all in all in the you know stretch of three months after winning a cup is, is something that's never going to be easy. Right. Um, and it's, you know, like Dan, you and I have talked about, too, is, you know, as these new teams have come in and MLS 2.0, if you will, with. The expansion teams uh, setting a standard. You know, this is how things are going to be done now with LAFC and Atlanta. Right. And you look at Cincinnati coming in and just their 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 home opener with 
with the support they got there and a three nil victory at home. I think it's just, it's exciting to see, um, as MLS dinosaurs that we are, that we got, in, <laughs> we got in at a good time, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's unbelievable to see just the trajectory of, yeah. of these new expansion it, clubs. It, it, and it, It's crazy. I mean, and a big part of this podcast is LAFC and, uh, both of us are, are so close with, uh, that brand in a way, just because previously it was Chivas USA and they disconnected, pulled the plug and rebranded and, and, and took their time to think about how they were going to execute their strategy into the market and build a stadium. And, um, man, it's just completely exceeded my expectations. I, I knew that a lot of the same supporters were going to be in, in, in um, those stands waving their flags and, and having a team to cheer for that wasn't the galaxy in this market and it was going to be healthy, but I would have never anticipated it to be this successful. Yeah, exactly. I think you said it perfectly there. Just exceeded expectations when, you know, we were in the, the dying years of Chivas USA. And I remember, I remember that iconic photo of, of you crying with the fan after the fan, maybe, maybe you were crying or the fan was crying. After. I, I, I was, was going to say, if I, think I was, was crying, I got to see it. I got to see it. <laughs> there was this kid, there was a, you're right though, Bob, this photo of a boy who's in the stands at LFC games now. Yeah. Um, and he grew up with Chivas USA and he yeah. grew up with us and he was probably 12 years old when the, when the team, um, disbanded. So he would, you know, for, for eight, 10 years before that, he'd been supporting it. And, uh, as we were, we, we all out at that game walked around the stadium and, and just to thank our, our friends and family and some of the fans that were there. Cause that was basically all that was there. Um, and this guy gave it, this kid a hug and someone captured it on, on, on a, on a, on a camera. And it was, a, yeah, it was a pretty, a pretty, uh, sweet photo to say the least, Bob, but it, it, it tore that kid's heart out. Yeah, and that's what understandably. I, I think full circle, just to look at what a fan base can go through. Um, you know, I spent two stints with Chivas, 2007, eight, and nine. We had some good days. We won the Western Conference. We had a good team, and the you know the fan base was there supporting us. And I got, tra- I got traded away to San Jose, and, and you know, and the fans left. You know, I think uh, me leaving was a big, big hole for the <laughs> fan base to fill. And uh, no, but I, you know, I came back and it just wasn't the same feeling for whatever reason. You know, I think the it was no longer exciting to be at the Home Depot Center at the time. Yeah, and I think well, those fans, you know, they deserved to to support a winning a winning brand and a and a team that could really get behind. And I think they waited long enough. They were patient, and like you said, watching, you know, I've I've yet to see a match there um, in person, but uh, wa- watching the. Yeah, watching the the fans on TV, you know, seeing some of those familiar faces of of the the, the, the ultras behind the goal, and uh, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's truly something special to see uh, a rebrand and a, a rebuild. Credit to the ownership and the leadership there, with obviously John Thorrington, kind of a buddy of ours that right. we played with briefly and had some union stuff with, and then obviously ties with Bob Bradley leaving Chivas when he did, and Precky taking over and. And then our, our ex-teammate, Nante Razov, there as well. So right. tons of ties there, even in the training staff with Sean Kupiak and Miguel Motolongo, another guy I worked with in Colorado. Just kind of cool to hear, um, you know, what's going on there. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, rem- I can't remember, I can't forget, sorry, Diego Garcia as well, another Colorado Rapids shout out. But uh, those guys are all working at LAFC. And just to hear kind of what's going on internally there with them and then, obviously seeing the product on the field, which has been most importantly, pretty cool to, to witness from afar. 
Bobby Burling, a longtime MLS defender, joining us here on the Believe Sports Podcast Network. You can check him out on Instagram at Bobby Burr. Yes, he has the little blue check mark next to his name. Uh, you'll, you'll see you'll see a lot of pictures of his absolutely uh, handsome little man. That's your little man, right? I mean, and Jackie and, boy and your wife on there. Uh, we'll talk That's about it. that that in a moment but you've mentioned a couple of clubs san jose chivas usa uh you spent your time at the end of your career with the colorado rapids do you do you consider yourself if we're putting you in the hall of fame tomorrow do you consider yourself one of those teams is 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 that that you still support or where do your uh where's your allegiance lie bobby uh that's a tough question mark i think that's why i'm here i think uh (laughs) each and every each and every stop i had was was special in its own way. Obviously, Colorado being the last one, and the club I grew up watching at Old Mile High Stadium, uh, playing club playing club soccer on Saturday afternoon, and going to Saturday night uh, games at Old Mile High Stadium with Mooch Myernick as the coach, and uh, you know, those are obviously some great memories to come back and play for that hometown club. But we had a cool group of guys at, at, at Chivas when I kind of got my start with uh, some good veteran leadership and then a good group of young guys with Sasha, Johnny right. B, right. Uh, Guzan, and then, you know, DK and some of these guys that we kind of stayed together with, with leadership like Jesse Marsh, Ante Razov, Kerry Talley. That was a great, te- that was a great team. I mean, yeah. that, at the Ante, end, at the, at- Ante Yazic, I mean, th- there was a, there was a real like good, strong core group of guys there that you could lean on. And yeah. Bobby, I I think it worked out, you know, the way it should. Sometimes fate has a weird way of going, right? You get drafted by the Galaxy, but never play for them, and you end up becoming a part of Chivas USA at that time back in 2007. And they were the better team here in Southern California right. for those right. first couple of years that you were in the league. Definitely, I think it was, you know, people always love dropping the, oh, you played with Beck, and I'm like, oh, actually, I. I got cut a month in the preseason, but I ended up on the better of the LA teams for the, for the first three years there. And just the group we have, when you talk about things I miss about playing, it's definitely, you know, the banter, the locker room. And that, that certainly sticks out there what we had at Chivas USA. And then when I got traded to San Jose, uh, Frank Yallop, the coach that drafted me at the galaxy kind of, you know, gave me another, another opportunity to, to prove to him that I was the player he thought he thought he drafted. And uh, we had a good group there. It was kind of when Wando basically put the franchise on his back and won a, <laughs> won a golden boot, won an MVP. And, you know, we had Alan Gordon, Stephen Lenhart, Sam Cronin, right. Wando, Jason, Jason Hernandez, Ryan Johnson, and just a good group of guys there too. We were all kind of in that 26 to, to 28 yeah, range. The prime. Right. Making making tons of money and, uh, you know, just really, really living life in the Silicon Valley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked We talked about the Goonies a couple of weeks ago with yeah. Gordo when he, when he popped yeah. on here. Yeah. 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 yeah Gordo, no, actually, and I, Gordo and I still spend quite a bit of time. He's, he's settled here in Denver and uh, we're hoping that he doesn't leave back to, to the West Coast. I know DK is trying to pull him back there, but we're hoping to keep him here in the Rocky mountains. Yeah. Yeah. I like having good people in LA. So uh, aside from Rogo, um, <laughs> that's but, why I uh, live in orange County. I, it was funny <laughs> thinking about that good, go, that Goonies team, uh, Bobby. I, it, one of the only teams that I would like root for late in games during the season as a Chivas USA player, just because it was exciting to watch. But one, the other thing that Bobby, uh, the other person that Bobby knows well is Dennis DeClose, who's now the GM of the galaxy. Uh, Dennis was around uh, the Chivas USA with the with the youth academy and um, 
I mean, kind of crazy how that comes full circle. And now he's, he's pulling the strings at the galaxy. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't be happier for Dennis. I think he's done enough with his resume to show it, but as far as what a guy he was uh, for me early on in my career, you know, I didn't play, didn't play one minute as a rookie uh, suited, made the bench for our playoff games, but didn't play one minute and uh, <laughs> talk about those, those dark, those dark days or slash that's a long season man (laughs) those early mornings of reserve games uh you know dennis dennis was one of the guys that helped me kind of through that season and uh, we've kept in touch here and there and i i spoke to him briefly as he got the la job and it's just great to see him back uh back in the league for sure and you know exciting to see what what galaxy are able to do now that uh you know there's a a balance that's maybe shifted here to lafc a little bit with the signings and the season they had and then Obviously, Zlatan coming back and kind of revamping the Galaxy image, and you know, so it's exciting to have. It's a good, it's a, it's a good problem to have when you got two teams that are really pushing, pushing for it uh, in both respective ways. Well, I haven't, I haven't, I've, I've yet to see a, a center back uh, in Major League Soccer that can physically handle uh, Ibra, and I, I just maybe you can come out of, of retirement for one game with the Rapids, but <laughs> you can have a good, a good wrestling match out there with them. When they, no, when they face the yeah. that's one of the the biggest regrets not getting getting a chance to play against Ebra. I mean, he came in right as I was kind of right. leaving, but at the same time, what a what a player to watch. I remember sitting on my couch, uh, talking about my little boy, giving my little boy a bottle, and the two goals that guy scored, and or was it two or three? I can't even remember, but I was watching that game, and I, I literally against was like, LAFC. I was, yeah, right, right. Twice I was, I was yeah. yelling at the TV. It was unbelievable. My my wife was like, oh, I thought you were done playing. Like, what? why are you rooting for the Galaxy? No, I wasn't rooting. It's the moment of that. The technique and the moment of that uh, volley is just absolutely right. incredible. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Bobby, aren't those – and there's so many more to come. And, and Dan and I talk about it all the time with our kids. I mean, those are, those are the best moments right there, right? When you're, you're taking in the passion of the sport that you love and, and – you're infused by something that you watch or see, but then you, you just look right down and you're holding your little guy and, you, and you're, you know, you're, you're doing fatherhood at the same time. That's, that, that's magic. For sure. For sure. It's, uh, you know, I'm always jealous of the players that got to kind of bring their, right. their boys same, in the locker man. room same. or their family. And, and Gordo, you know, Gordo has, is one of his last years in Colorado. He, his boys are brilliant. He's bringing them into the training, you know, training facility in the locker room and just being able to see like, to be able to capture what your dad does as a profession was truly something special. Um, but I will say that at the same time, I don't envy moving a family of five around getting, getting shipped around like a bag of balls and, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of at the expense of others, but right. Right. But at the same time, it, you know, having a, having a child when I did really, you know, put things in perspective, I had a couple opportunities uh, to continue playing and Denver was home. And at the same time, it was, perspective on on being a dad i'm enjoying everything about being a dad and like like you said mark it's truly something special and i know dan's got two i'm not sure how many you have but it's just uh, the best job ever i'm i I got two i'm sticking to one-on-one coverage a daughter a daughter (laughs) and a son and that's it that's all my wife and i can handle you know you're you're one of the guys that uh has the unique perspective bobby of when we talk about rivalries in this league of playing for uh, two different rivalries against the LA Galaxy right your time with Chivas USA which was a Southern California derby rivalry against yeah. the Galaxy but then as you mentioned you went up to San Jose to play for Frank Yallop and that was kind of the the California Classico between the Quakes and the Galaxy 
Is there one that's your favorite, or is there one that sticks out in your mind that you've seen or you've heard other guys around the league talk about that, like, that's the rivalry that you want to be a part of in MLS? Yeah, I think, you know, the proximity, obviously, of having two L.A. teams is is amazing, but that's still that rivalry that's kind of up the coast to San Jose. You know, we played a few of those at Stanford Stadium, which were cool. We'd, we'd get great crowds and great draw for that. Um, and then here in Colorado, too, with the Rocky Mountain Cup, it's it's one thing that the fans take very seriously. Um, you know, and obviously it's not as close as a, maybe a L.A. or to San Jose, but it's that Rocky Mountain region of Salt Lake and Colorado, which always brought out uh, some heated rivalries with, you know, guys like Beckerman and Ramondo doing it for as long as they did and uh, still still doing it for as long That's as they crazy, did. I'm, a- yeah. I'm actually shocked that that Nicky's hanging him up. I thought he was going to play till he was at least 55. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what an epic career that guy's had. Why, why, st- why stop at 20? Right? So good. No kidding. Uh, why don't we ship, like ship him back to Miami? Did he start in Miami? Or yeah, did he start I in he DC? No, ship- I think it was mutiny. No, he started with the, with, uh, the fusion, didn't he? Fusion. No, sorry. Yeah. The fusion. Yeah. Ship him back to Miami to like, sign a one-day contract to retire that's, that's, that's actually not a bad that's not a bad shout full circle <laughs> full circle <laughs> uh, what a player what a player well bobby i appreciate you having having you on man um legend hard man uh amazing teammate i know you're amazing dad and uh keep keep uh keep influencing the youth of of colorado and soccer yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say, Bobby. Last thing before we let you go, I know you're, you're training a lot of youngsters out there. Um, I saw some video of you using the Toka machine out there with some with some kids. Uh, Hopefully, it's uh, only loading the balls into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my um, back, my back is barking from loading that machine. I tell you that. <laughs> uh, how how can people uh, look you up if they want to maybe and they're out in the Denver area and they want they want to get involved? Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm at, I mean, I partnered and opened a facility here in the Denver area. Uh, we're doing some sports specific training as well as some speed and agility and strength and conditioning, kind of a, a supplement and a complement to club sports. A lot of stuff is, you know, injury prevention and kind of figuring out how your body moves before we really need to know how to do that at an earlier age. But we're called Dryland Sports Company. Um, so I'm doing some some stuff here with that facility in Denver and then also on the sports consulting side, helping out with the agent that represented me, Sean Higgins, just doing some player liaison and kind of some youth recruitment. Staying involved in the game um, is something that, you know, I think, as Dan mentioned, too, doing some broadcasts and radio stuff for the Rapids here in Denver, I'm doing. But at the same time, just kind of, you know, what does that involvement look like going forward? You know, it's something that we've done for so long and we want to stay involved and certainly watching games is something I still do. So, you know, I'm kind of balancing all those three things with with being a dad. But at the same time, it's I wouldn't want it any other way so i appreciate you guys bringing me on i love listening into the the podcast and listening to you guys on calls uh out in la love it man and uh hit us up when you come out this way we'll uh, we'll set up a tea time yeah bobby yeah. b thanks Perfect. buddy thanks Talk guys to all right great stuff there from bobby burling um you know it makes me think all of a sudden dk like you know he's not not that old of a guy and he had a really good tenure as a center back i almost feel like He's the type of guy where a team, say an expansion team like FC Cincinnati, could say, "Hey, uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad to have a guy like this, you know, right. on our on our roster." Yeah, that Rose, it's it's not it's not a bad shot, and you could say the same thing about Alan Gordon too. Sure. Um, they're they're both guys that, uh, I mean, 
I have, I'm biased, but amazing in the locker room. And then they bring a sense of experience to the team. And then when you need them to step in and step up, they always do. Um, but both Bob and, and Gordo were that way. They're just kind of gamers, you know, and um, two of the toughest guys I've, I, I played with throughout my career, for sure. Bobby would we, we, we'd be I mean, we, we played a game in Chicago Rogues that was freezing. There must have been 75 people in the stands and it was windy and it was in Toyota Stadium. And we won, I think, three one or something. Um, and this was in the early El Chalice days. And I'm telling you, it was freezing. And Bobby just cruised out in shorts and a T-shirt, just like no big deal. <laughs> well, he he does have some of those Colorado roots, so he, yeah, he's, he's right. probably thinking he's probably thinking, oh yeah, it's like you know high 30s, 40s out here. I can I can take it all the way down into the the teens, and then that's when I put on a long sleeve. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, let's move on and uh, talk about what's coming up week four. Of course, the international break is upon us. U.S. men's national team going to have a couple of friendlies uh, with Ecuador and Chile. So that's going to pull some players off of rosters around Major League Soccer. And and obviously, it's not just uh, U.S. men's national team players that are going away from their club club teams to the national team. You've got uh, a bunch of the reggae boys. Jamaica has some matches set up. I mean, it's the international break. So a lot of teams are losing players all over the place. From your perspective, when you were in one of those locker rooms, when that would happen, what's the mood like there in the locker room? Well, you you take a you take a deep breath uh, for the guys that uh, that are are staying back. Um, you typically have a normal training week with some inner inner squad scrimmage, or you play a um, a local opponent just to kind of keep you on that one game a week schedule, and then. Um, to, you know, ideally, it's for for both Galaxy and LAFC a decent start to the season, so the the spirit will be high, and maybe you sneak uh, an extra day off, or you sneak some more uh, um, fun training sessions in, rather than you know tactical and fully focused for the weekend. Um, I, I think it comes at a good time for the Galaxy. You give Ibrahimovic another week, uh, and then you, you for all the players that are getting called up and and going out to their international duty. Um, hopefully they can build upon it, you know, and that's a, that's also a shot in the arm, a little bit of confidence uh, for those, for those folks as well. Is, is it, a, is it a competitive thing? Say guys that are, are, are thinking who might've not gotten a start or might not see very minutes. Are those players thinking, all right, well then here's my opportunity to step in and, and, and show what I can do well, for my head coach. Right, right. Yeah. LAFC, that's certainly the case. Cause uh, unfortunately MLS hasn't completely adopted the uh, international schedule. And so there's, there's games this weekend um LA Galaxy get the break uh but with the form that LAFC's in uh this early on and the depth that they have uh at their disposal um I would be like hey better this this is this is kind of gives us a chance to to make it look like we're further up the table than maybe we are just because we have a game in hand and we'll see how it plays out. Let's let's turn to the games now. There's five of them this weekend, as you mentioned. The Galaxy will not be in action, but LAFC back at home inside a Bank of California stadium, and they're set to play host to Real Salt Lake. There's a ton of layers and storylines that go into this. It starts with last season, the fact that Real Salt Lake made it into the postseason, the MLS Cup playoffs, and then they come to Bank of California Stadium and they knocked out LAFC after a stellar expansion camp 
campaign. So there's probably a little bitter pill still left in the mouth of some of the LAFC players that are that are still with the club. There's a, a rather large nucleus of those guys uh, for the black and gold. Uh, and then the other thing is is Real Salt Lake is coming off of getting thumped five nothing Dan against DC United, but they're going to be without a couple of good guys, right. uh, most notably Jeff uh, Jefferson Savarino, who was shown a red card in that game. Right. And and so now you've taken one on the chin um, and you have to you have to pull yourself together with a, a different side. But Pecky's the kind of coach like he, he's a motivator for sure. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy that goes, you know, I, I don't like so what. So what? We we took that loss. Whatever. I don't care. We're moving on. Was that a little uh, New York? New York? Uh, yeah, that's that's, that's to throw it right I, there. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> how was that? Was that pretty good? That come off? Not right? bad. Not bad. Not bad. Um, yeah, I don't really. Come on, boys, let's go. So what are you, um, what are you, so what are you saying? What yeah, are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> his. I mean, he has some epic rants, but um, I'm sure that this early on, you you as a coach have a few opportunities to insulate uh, pressure from players, in which you come in and say, hey. Um, you know, this, this, this result is not going to define us. I take full responsibility. We need to be more disciplined. We can't have those red cards. We have a massive game next week that we need to get over this by the time we're back training Monday and, and move on. Yeah. And there's, Um, and, and, and there's no, no question that, that this Real Salt Lake team, they have the veterans to kind of pull it all together for, for a game like this. Correct. Correct. And uh, I mean, it's it's funny. You just think of Be- Beckerman and, and Raimondo. Um, but this is a young it's a pretty young team, too. Um, so they they need those guys. Uh, and Nick, you know, Raimondo is just one of those goalkeepers. He's from Southern California. Uh, every time he played against the Galaxy, he had, it felt like he had a big game. Um, and I kind of get that same sense. If he's going to come to Bank of, of California, he could he could have one of those special nights, especially, uh, you know, last season of his 20 year, very decorated career. Um, he's going to want to go out with a bang. So if he gets hot, uh, he, he's he's been he's proven the, the concept of goalkeepers winning games before. So um, it's no pushover. I think I think Salt Lake will come in with a response from their five nil uh, defeat. And um, LAFC are going to have to they're going to they're going to have to they're going to have to, you know, show up as they have all season so far. Well, I'm detecting some predictions here. So we turn to our <laughs> our, our, our our wagering segment right here. I oh, love through, it. Love yeah. It. Just just That's to review last week. Money out. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I, oh, it's all funny I, money, of course. <laughs> Uh, just to review, uh, last week Dan had uh, LAFC winning two to one. He had the Galaxy tying one one, and he had FC Cincinnati losing two to one. So he was wrong on everything, folks. So if you want, if you want, if you want your predictions, then just <laughs> just come right here because I, I, I had LAFC tying two two, which they did. Uh, I had the Galaxy tying two two. They won three two, so I wasn't far off. And then I had New York Red Bulls winning 3-1 against San Jose, and they won 4-1. So, guy's yeah. tooting his own horn. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one time I get to wave my own flag right now. All so, right. For week, week four, uh, no game for the LA Galaxy, so we stay away from that. Obviously, they'll have the week off before they come back in action for week five of MLS. Uh, what do you see happening at the bank between RSL and LAFC? Yeah, I think LAFC take another win here. Um and I'll say I'll say two nothing. I, th- I think that after that performance in NY in, in New York, uh, they got some defense to focus on. I think Walker Zimmerman um, has higher expectations for himself than the performance that he put in. 
Um, and and I, the the other thing is is I don't think the Salt Lake team has as much to them going forward as as New York did. Um, so back at home, uh, get back to winning ways over that tie or that that draw that was a solid point on the road. Um, should be a good performance. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the the, the fact that. Real Salt Lake knocked LAFC out of the postseason last year in, in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs. Right. So I, right. I think I and I think they're going to be I think LAFC are going to be pumped to get back home um, and an opportunity. So I'm with you. I think LAFC get the win. I also think they get their first shutout of the season. And I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to say three nothing is the wow. final in this one. Wow. You're gonna, I don't you're think like, Romano, I don't think Romano gives up eight goals in two games, buddy. Uh, you're likely going to have Adama Diamande into the starting lineup with Christian Ramirez okay. making making yeah. his way to the U.S. Men's National Team, and yeah. and and like that, that guy, he's already got two it's goals in three. He's got two goals in three three appearances, all of them coming off the bench. Uh, I think that guy, I, you could see two, maybe even three from him alone. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go three nothing, which brings us to a little wild card action. Um, you, you got a certain remember, there's only five games, DK. So you I got know, a certain, it's hard. This is hard for me, Mark. I'm, yeah. I'm playing a little bit scared right now because you've been tooting your own own, own horn the whole time. <laughs> you can't uh, play scared with funny money. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think New England suck and I think Cincinnati sucks. So I got to stay away from that game. <laughs> the only game I really like is taking LAFC over Salt Lake and I've already taken them. Columbus crew at Philly seems like a trap game. Orlando at New York Red Bulls. I'm, I'm, I like the Red Bulls more than Orlando. So I'm taking them for the win. Uh, two to one. Orlando's just a. I don't know what it is with that team, man. It just seems like they shoot themselves in the foot. Um, so Red Bulls coming out on top, and and also they had a break last weekend, so they should be ready to go. Uh, and you and you like you like New New York Red Bulls? Would you say two one? Is that what you said? Two one, baby. Two one. Remember, folks, we give an extra point in our cumulative total throughout the course of the year if you happen to get the oh, score. I'm line going right. two and zero this week. Don't call it a comeback in the words of MC Hammer. <laughs> uh, I like that game too, but I don't know if we oh, put God. this in the. I don't know oh, if we God. put this in the official guidelines as you can't choose the same team two weeks in a row. So if we didn't, I am going to put it down right now. So I took New York to win last week against San Jose, so yeah, they are not available. Been. That's right. That's smart. Yeah, so that's now smart. I am down to three First games. Thing you said all day. Yes. It, yes. It, no. Bobby Burling and I had a couple of really good points okay. back and forth. You yeah. probably weren't listening. Yeah. Um, now you're patting yourself on the back again. Once again. Ridiculous. Once again. Uh, so I am actually going to go with uh, your former club. I'm going to say uh, FC Dallas. At, at, USA. At, oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chivas USA. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to say FC Dallas uh, at home yeah. against the Colorado Rapids. But remember, we're predicting scores and results, so right. it's going to be one-one between Dallas yeah. and the Rapids. Yeah, I think that's. I, I actually like that call. This this Colorado team's um, they're 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 far and improved from from last year, and they seem to have a bit more grit to them. In Dallas, I mean, man, they they ran a clinic uh, against the Galaxy in terms of just exceeding my expectations from a performance standpoint. Uh, but I I just they they don't I I'm still I'm still asking questions so I I do like that Colorado uh, draw at at F, FC Dallas I typically don't agree with you rogues but I do today yeah you and I you and I highlighted I think it was last week we were talking about uh, the play of the the youngster Pomacall and yeah this kid he's and good yeah he's he's you know he's that kind of uh, 
kind of somewhere between an eight and a nine, right? On in yeah. positionally and positionally on the field, you call him in like an eight and a half, the way that he plays and the way that yeah. he helps be creative uh, in the attacking third. Yeah, Sasha Klesh, I mean, I, I've, I've said it and I'll, I'll continue to say it just because there's so many comparisons to his game, but he is very similar to Sasha Klesh. And if you remember uh, when Sasha was at Chivas, he was in that uh, interchange midfield role with Jesse Marsh sitting deep on Chivas, Sasha being the two-way midfielder. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it's, he's a good, good young player. One that I'm excited to see develop. Good stuff this week, DK episode too, four buddy. in the books here on believe sports podcast network. Make sure you check back with us uh, next week as we drop another episode for you here on the uh, sports podcast network here on believe so that you can catch up with our picks, catch up with what we saw in week four. And uh, you never knew who we'll be bringing on as a special guest to help join in the conversation for uh, Dan Kennedy, Mark Rogan, Dino and everyone at believe uh, we'll see you next week, everyone. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.